for joining us again. Look, Maddie was unavailable, so we've had to call an audible for this week's episode, which was supposed to be uh, Flash Gordon, but we will get to that next week. Mm. So Jared and I, we've decided to, um, I don't know, do our usual sort of stick, Jared, and do a bit of mucking around. Yeah, a bit of muckraking, mate. Bit of muckraking, bit of muckraking. What we've decided to do is an episode on the worst films in our mind from our favourite actors. Yeah, right. obviously we well, some couldn't of them do are our favourites. Some of them are, are our uh, whipping boys. Yeah, our favourite punching bags. But um, <laughs> yeah, obviously we couldn't touch Flash Gordon without Maddie. The man is just super no. excited to talk about it. So yeah, it was his choice. So we just sort of. Just held back a week on Flash Gordon. Mm-hmm. All right. So basically, the gist of this one, Jared, is we're going to go through some of our favourite actors. Yep. We're going to put forward what we believe is their worst film. Yeah. And we're just going to top it off with a little bit of, you know, the Rotten Tomatoes percentage, the the letterbox scores for the film. I've got a little bit of box office info. Yeah. I mean, because why would reviews. we? Why would we want to give these people that we we love to to watch their films? Why would we want to give them any credit? I mean, it's it's no fun no. to talk about the good stuff that they do, so let's just dive into the deep end. Let's, <laughs> yeah, let's, let's rip them a new asshole. Yeah. Look, we're going to get off on a, on, a, on, a, on a front foot here, Jared. I believe you went and saw a film with this particular man today. I did. Which may end up in this, in this discussion, Jared, mm-hmm. but the first cab off the rank is one Bruce Willis. Now, I've made it very well known that I'm a big fan of his films. Got a lot of films that I really, really like. Yeah. But he also Um, does have a lot of films that were candidates for this conversation. (laughs) Correct. Recently, he has just become a fucking slumlord. (laughs) (laughs) The guy is just making shit. I mean, I I posited this a few, yeah, a little while back, Jared, that he's kind of in semi retirement. He just seems to be taking projects where it seems like he has to shoot for a couple of days. Yeah, yeah. Pick up a couple of million bucks a paycheck and that's it. Yep. Yep, he's cashing you know, in he's checks. he's putting in his minimal effort. Yeah. And, I mean, he he had a number of films to choose from that had a Rotten Tomato score of zero. I know. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have not seen any of them. No, I hadn't seen all of them. Um, but the one that I've picked doesn't have a zero, so that tells you the shit. sort of that tells you where the bike is at. <laughs> the calibre of some of the shit he's been in. Yeah. Recently, yeah, he's a man. He's a man who seems to be comfortable with a a pretty simple lifestyle of making fuck, shit movies. He's given up on. He's given up on reading good scripts. I think he'll just take anything that that comes his way as long as it. He reads the the monetary offer. Doesn't even fucking bother <laughs> with the script. I'll guarantee it. No. And he's not like Nicolas Cage who has this kind of weird, he'll, if he makes absolute shit, and Cage is also wallowing. Yeah. But he's got this kind of weird intensity about him. Yeah, and he d- he still comes across some interesting things here and there. But, but Nicolas also had reasons why he had to take those movies. I don't think Bruce did. <laughs> no. No, as I said, I think Bruce's reason is he wants to retire, but he's just, you know, he's just making films that are easy to do. He can punch out four or five of them in yeah. a year and basically do about 
40 days work. Yeah, he wants to retire, but he's got adult children who need money as well. So he Perhaps. To- he's got half a dozen mortgages to pay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sell a fucking house or two, Bruce, and yeah. retire comfortably. Yep. Maybe he's just hanging around, Jared, for that final John McClane film. Possibly. Possibly. Well, in his current state of acting, I would rather that he didn't come back for one more <laughs> John McClane film. Yeah, I'd require. To have forgotten. I'd require an incentive-based contract if he came back on uh, as yeah. John McClane, and that would one incentive would be you need to actually give an effort in your acting performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we need to come yeah, up with wake a measure. Up, Bruce. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you cannot just roll out of your trailer fresh off a, a nap. And, and expect to perform, Bruce. <laughs> no, 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 mate. You have to come out and give your all. Maybe he's just storing it up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's currently storing up his acting skills for the final <laughs> McLean film, and then he's just going to retire. I can only hope. I can only hope. So I can say to I, I can only hope that he's, he's willing. But what was the film? You, you, you said this is his worst film, correct? And what is it? Okay, well, I had two, but I am going to mention the one that I saw today. Obviously, recency bias, but Cosmic Sin, I just sat through that in, in the cinema. Currently, it's Rotten Tomatoes at 7%, and Letterboxd is 1.4 out of 5. 1.4? Jesus. But it, it's, it was awful. It was just awful. It's, it's one of these ones where, I mean, it, it seemed to take some cues from, like, video games almost in, in some of the, like, the yeah. costume design and design of the sets. And some of that was all right. Like, I didn't mind. They had this setting of, you know, it's far in the future and we're on different planets and whatever, but they had things like a bar. So Bruce is drinking in a bar, but the jukebox actually plays, like, holographic performances of, of people and things like that. So I was like, okay, well, we're, we're on some on some ground that I can get behind here. I don't mind this sort of this tone and setting, but... Bugger me, it was an absolute, it was so fucking boring. And the, the, just the bloody plot threads that just seemed to, to <laughs> just get left and then would come back briefly. And Frankie Grillo, talk about underused. Fuck me dead. They did him dirty in this <laughs> one too. I believe it was, uh, I think it's Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson's son in there. Uneven. I would describe <laughs> the, the old block, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A giant cock. No, I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, as I said, I'd describe it as uneven, but it was just, yeah, fuck, it was boring. Um, now, can you put a number on the number of days Bruce would have been on set? Look, he was in it or quite a bit. was he there bit. the whole time? He was in it quite a bit, but I'd say... I'd say he knocked it down to, to half after shooting days. <laughs> he could have got it done. In. <laughs> but, yeah, I'll just go through a couple of the quotes that I found on Rotten Tomatoes and Letterboxd. I didn't actually get uh, the – didn't actually get who all these were from, but they are all on the Rotten Tomatoes and Letterboxd page, so you can check out the, the people that, that uh, put these forward. But um, some of the descriptions from, from reviews – might leave us with some questions about the movie's discomforting moral framework, but the movie is thankfully too dull to think too much about that. Bruce gives the same half-awake performance as in many other recent B-movie roles, only this time clad in clunky space armour. I would like to remind that person he has 
given a B movie performance in Armageddon where he was also clad in clunky space armor. But uh, correct, yeah, a couple from yeah, the- but his fucking eyes were open in Armageddon. Well, <laughs> true, yeah, he was, he was actually attempting. he was at least. I mean, he phoned it in, but back then he was good enough to phone in shit, and yeah. it was all right. A couple, a couple from Letterbox, which I really enjoyed. There's no way even Bruno watches the movie that he turns up in anymore. And also, it would be a cosmic sin to recommend this movie to anyone. So that's that's yes. the kind <laughs> of uh, work we're talking about here. So we're not the only ones that, well, I'm not the only one that, that was disappointed with this one. And now what was the other one you had for him? So the other one I had was, going by all measures, it's probably not his, his worst film, but personal disappointment, Die Hard, uh, A Good Day to Die Hard, for sure. Um, yes. It was 14 on Rotten Tomatoes, Letterboxd or 1.9. And I couldn't sum it up better than Richard Roper. His quote was, what a disappointment. Yes. So that, yeah, that was that was kind of more a personal, uh, a personal sort of thing, given that even Die Hard 4, I thought, was a decent movie. And the yeah. drop between that and Die Hard 5 was just, a f- like, it was just such a bad movie. Yeah, it was it was a long drop off. I briefly considered the colour of night, but I mean, it had some things that I did like. So <laughs> I couldn't uh, couldn't quite. Uh, yeah, well, I only saw half of it because I closed my eyes during the uh, <laughs> mid section and never really came back to it. Right. Yeah. Something floated into frame, <laughs> and I, I, I turned away. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Uh, my personal worst for Bruce, and I'm sure there's plenty of, and as I will preface this by saying, I have not seen his last five years' worth of <laughs> manure, but <laughs> it's Last Man Standing from 1997 mm. or 96. I remember going to the cinema, and this was right in the meat of, you know, Bruce was still making some really good films around that period. Yeah, not this I one. Think Colour of Night may have been around this time. Yeah, so. I think that was about 94. <laughs> I might be, you know, paraphrasing here. <laughs> but it was a real fucking boring, nothing much film. I mean, it's directed by Walter Hill as well. Like, it actually had some pedigree. And Bruce doesn't give a bad performance and the cast isn't too bad, but the movie is just so boring. And it got 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. I would have gone lower. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised. I would have thought 20%. 2.9 on Letterboxd. Uh, and for some box office numbers, Jared, 47 million worldwide on a 67 million budget. 20 million under. Yeah. Maybe you make some money off off DVD sales, perhaps. That's the sort of investment but, uh, I'd make, mate. Yeah. Not a, not a savvy I mean, Hollywood producer. No. So, all round, I was very unimpressed with this film. I've never seen it since. Even something like Hudson Hawk, because a lot of people would have Hudson Hawk yep. on, as one of his worst. Hudson Hawk's dumb as dog shit and, and, and strange. It doesn't make much sense, but it's entertaining. Yeah. I've never been entertained by it. Hudson Hawk is in the realm of you can get a couple of laughs at some of the logic and all that sort of stuff out of it. These ones that we talked about, not so much. 
No, not at all. Last Man Standing has no real entertainment value. And the review I found from Roger Ebert basically said, Last Man Standing is a desperately cheerless film. Yep. And well summed up, Roger. <laughs> Succinct to the all point. Right. That, that, that's Bruce. That's Bruce's, you know, worst in our mind. Mm-hmm. On to Arnie. Well, who, what did you have on Arnie's worst film? Well, I, I don't think this is going to be any surprise at all, but um, being a Batman fan, I couldn't go past Batman and Robin. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, 11%. Letterbox, again, surprising <laughs> me with a 1.8. Just such a, such a terrible movie. And Arnie, in my opinion, look, I don't know if Arnie, looking at the rest of the film, I don't think Arnie was making this performance comedic of his own volition. He wasn't making the decisions to make it such a such a shit performance. But the whole bit of work, Arnie just comes out smelling the worst out of everyone, I think. Yeah. Um, and especially for me, given that I was one of these, you know, I'm one of these people that enjoyed the Batman animated series that had just successfully reinvented Mr. Freeze with a fucking exceptional storyline full of pathos and just really good stuff that the movie took and just proceeded to trample all over. So, yeah, I got real ill feelings towards this one. Yeah. And Arnie, yeah, just, I mean, I've, I've just, I, I, sometimes I wake up in cold sweats about Arnie singing He's Mr. <laughs> White Christmas and all this sort of shit. So, uh yeah, it's it's not good. Not good for me. Uh, a couple of the quotes that I no, found. No, no. It's honestly a miracle that anyone was ever willing to see a Batman movie again after this film. Um, <laughs> and a very straightforward one from Letterboxd. Spectacularly shite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that is just spot on. Yeah. I mean, no wonder Christopher Nolan waited fucking, what, 12, 13 years? Yeah, yeah. Before he, Batman returned? Yep. Because, I mean, the stink coming off it, you can smell for years. <laughs> yeah. Well, imagine And Batman, Arnie is just terrible. He is terrible. Batman's been popular at this point for over 80 years. And this film was po- probably responsible for sinking it, the, the character to, you know, arguably its lowest low. I think it definitely its lowest low. So, yeah, I, I, I'm uh, holding Arnie somewhat responsible for that. Yeah, very much so. Now I've got one here that again, this has it hasn't kept me in cold sweats, Jared, but I just <laughs> I actively dislike this film. And from the get go, I was like, I was a bit like Gibbo in Rambo Last Blood. It's Collateral Damage from two thousand and two. Mm. Now this has actually a bit of history because I believe it was supposed to come out pre nine eleven, but. Because it involves a, a bomb and, and a, you know, an explosion in a, a large public area or in a building in America, they pushed it back. And I remember seeing it, because Arnie was still clinging, I think, to, to some form of being sort of, uh, you know, a big star who could guarantee box office yeah. at that time. Yep. Although I believe he had punched out uh, end of days and, and see, the sixth day, and they had both been a little bit underwhelming. Yeah, it was coming in that uh, that period, similar similar time frame to when we spoke about Stallone having his real shitty kind of down 
down period in his career. Yeah, exactly. And I remember going to the cinema and seeing it and just uh, from minute one, I was just like, oh, my God, this is so boring. And Arnie just sort of lumbers his way through it. I mean, it's directed by Andrew Davis, who at that stage had made The Fugitive and Under Siege. So I expected, you know, action scenes will be red hot. Mm. You know, this bloke knows how to get it done. Yep. They're even they're subpar. Yeah. Uh, and look, Rotten Tomatoes, nineteen percent, spot on. Letterbox, two point four. Shit. And the box office was seventy eight million worldwide on an eighty five million dollar budget. And that was the period where Arnie was making twenty mil a picture. Yeah. So it's another loser from him, and I think that kind of spot. I believe he went on to politics not long after that. <laughs> yep. Wise choice. And the review I got from Empire states that the plot is laughably bad and the action is not much better. Hmm. Yeah, so, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. It's one that really I, I, I would avoid. If someone said to me, let's chuck on collateral damage, no, let's not. <laughs> let's put on Jiggle all the way. <laughs> well, mate, I'm sure at some point you will mention it to, to be covered, probably in a couple of weeks' time when you think, oh, shit, you know, we talked about collateral damage and I haven't watched it in a while. Maybe we should, uh, maybe we should do an episode on it. Look, we will get to it, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, don't, Just to don't make promises you can't keep. Because I haven't seen it in 20 years. Yeah. So you've, so, said, you've just said you won't watch it again, but I reckon it'll happen in the next six months. No, I didn't say I wouldn't watch it again. I said I, 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 I avoid it. Like, you know, you know, you're sitting around, you're swiping through Netflix or Stan, and you're looking for just something to watch. If I came across collateral damage, I would quickly skip over <laughs> it off the chest. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not one that I seek out. But for us as podcasters, maybe... It's worth revisiting. I'd like to put Gibbo through it. You're talking yourself into it. I can hear it. I am. This is how this conversation goes. A couple of weeks time. <laughs> <laughs> I go around in circles. Now I come back and go, yeah, all right, watch it. Yeah, that's it. That's this is exactly how it starts. All right, on to Sly, because we laid the slipper into Sly at the end of last episode where we talked about his. I believe I coined it ten years of absolute shit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. But my sly one is from his 80s output. Ooh. Uh, his worst that I have seen, because remember there's a couple there that I probably haven't seen that I believe are worse. Yep, there's a couple of bad over ones. over the top. Ooh, okay. Even by sort of bad film standards, I can't help but just laugh and laugh and laugh. I mean, quite frankly, it's a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. It is a comedy. I mean, everything about it, Reeks of kind of like arm wrestling Rocky. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> only the Cannon Group could think that you can put arm wrestling on screen and make it into something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And I do remember reading some trivia where Sly turned it down repeatedly, but every single time he was asked, they'd add an extra $2.5 million to his paycheck. <laughs> and eventually he just fucking, he had no choice. He had to take it. That's right. <laughs> I mean, if you get a, if you get an amount that's going to set you up for the next 10 years of uh, failed box office efforts, then uh, <laughs> you can't say no, can you? Yeah, I mean, I think he got $12.5 million for it. Yeah, which at that time is Out just... of a $25 million budget. At, at, at that 
time in the 1980s. That is just, I mean, you you cannot turn that down. Yeah. And I think he probably took a pass at the script, but even then he probably thought, oh, shit, this yeah. is as bad as it can get. You can't salvage it. So the box office was $16 million worldwide. The budget was $25 million, which half of which was Stallone's paycheck. Mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 30%. I saw that. Which surprises that. me greatly. Yeah. That's one of the better ones out here. And Letterboxd at 2.8. And I had a TV guide review that stated arm wrestling, truck driving, weird weightlifting. And tear-jerking of the stuff of this predictable Stallone vehicle. <laughs> Fair enough again from them. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't know how you feel about over the, over the Top. I probably need to check it out again, but it's 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 not my worst. So just add it to the list before we move on. Just chuck that on the list of we'll, we'll yeah. cover shortly. Of course. Um, well, remember I tried to squeeze this in there a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was all for it. <laughs> but I, yeah... So I passed over things like that, and I also passed over his probably his lowest-ranked ones on Rotten Tomatoes, other than the ones I hadn't seen, such as Avenging Angelo, which I probably never will see. (laughs) (laughs) But I went for Detox. You went for Detox? I did go for Detox. (laughs) Rotten Tomatoes was 18. Detox isn't good, but fuck. Letterboxd (laughs) 2.4. I'll tell you why I went for Detox. It's because something like Over the Top, I can still get enjoyment out of that experience because I'm laughing at the the ludicrous situations and the, you know, the standard canon fare. Even something like Rambo, I get an enjoyment out of the conversations that are going to come out of it and... The, the, the comparisons to the previous movie, Detox just gave me nothing. Gave me nothing. I couldn't laugh at, at many of the sequences other than, you know, when we started questioning how this bloke managed to infiltrate people, you know, a, a facility filled with people with high-level skills. And, but just watching it and having the experience of watching it, it was so dull in in all aspects that I just couldn't. Yeah. The enjoyment level was was... Down the bottom for me in 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 the films that I've seen from Stallone, right? Even some of the the bad nineties ones, he was still in that pocket of they're trying to they're trying to do these action action uh, sort of vehicles that you can get a little bit of something out of, maybe a couple of decent action scenes or chase sequences or something like that. Just yeah. Detox just missed on every every fucking mark. It just did not hit anything for me. Look, I hovered very close to Assassins. Yeah. Because yep. I remember that was fucking real bad. Uh, in fact, I think he did a Microsoft Office video that was better. <laughs> so, that was probably better than Avenging Angelo as well. <laughs> Possibly. I would like to see Avenging Angelo. Maybe it's just me. Yeah, well, there was a couple on there that I probably could could uh, go back to and maybe might come out worse. Because, again, we did watch Detox a couple of weeks ago and it stands out as one that one that, you know, just I didn't enjoy watching it, but when you see it surrounded on the on the list by things like Last Blood and Over the Top, I would watch them again before I'd watch Detox easily. Okay, that's fair. A couple of the quotes I found, Adam. This is this is uh, this was this a running theme. I've got two here for you. The first one says a further nail in Sylvester Stallone's popularity coffin. 
And the the second quote, running theme, surely this is it for Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of people were death-riding Sylvester in 2002. Well, at that point, it it was a safe bet. I mean, it was a fucking dollar... $1.25 Dollar twenty five favorite because he just finished <laughs> six years of absolute shit, so, <laughs> and he still had three to four to come after that. So at that point, yeah, you weren't yeah, really no. sticking your neck out. No, do you think he fired his agent? Obviously, <laughs> you stuck with him for those ten years because, quite oh. frankly, after about four movies in a row, I would have fired the bike. Yeah. Either that or he started saying, look, I'll read the scripts when they come. I won't leave that to you. I'll actually have a look at it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Look, de- detox, I'm surprised, but I can I get where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean, I think I'll find when I watch Over the Top in, in our future episodes, I'll probably find it more enjoyable than detox, possibly. Yeah, we'll get a few laughs out of it. I mean, it's like fucking Street Fighter or something, but you, you're arm wrestling. You got all these, all these wide, all these broad stroke sort of characters that <laughs> Sly's just, you know, bouncing around and arm wrestling. How can you I not mean, enjoy that in, on some level? I mean, the thing about it that I always laugh at is, <laughs> hey, where's that kind of like fucking sock or something on his elbow? <laughs> <laughs> Compression recovery. It's like, fuck, mate. It looks like someone, this is a scarf, and you've just wrapped it around your elbow. <laughs> uh, just, okay, we need, to, we need to get to over the top in the future episodes, and then I'll, I'll see how I feel. Definitely. Okay. It's going to happen. Jared, on to one of your favourite actors, one Vin Diesel. Mm. You've been vocal about his lack of... You know, quality pictures. Well, uh, Triple you know, X came in for some heat. He's on my Mount Rushmore of, of actors, probably. Yep. Yeah. Now, I've got a running theme with a lot of the films I've covered, and the word usually is boring. Mm-hmm. And the one that I remember being extremely boring is a little picture he made in 2003 called A Man Apart. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this film, Jared? I remember the title, and I think I've seen it, but that that probably says that probably goes towards your argument there. Correct. It was a generic kind of revenge film involving him as a DEA agent, and I don't remember a lot about it. His wife gets killed, and he turns into a you know avenging the cartels or something, and he's trying to do some acting. I think Vin. Failing miserably, if I remember correctly, <laughs> but it's just one of those movies where I mean, most people would have dead set forgot he made it. Yeah, do you know what I mean? It just kind of came and went. It was boring as hell. Not much happens. It's not very exciting. I mean, I was this close to looking at the Chronicles of Riddick, mm-hmm. but then I thought to myself, there was shitloads going on in Chronicles of Riddick. I don't know what it meant or what it was about, but it was sort of, there was things happening on the screen. Yeah. This, there is nothing happening in this. Yep. It's just kind of lowest ebb stuff, and it's got 11% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 2.6 on Letterboxd, 
$44 million box office worldwide on a $36 million budget. And that was, I think, I think it was made roughly in the period where Diesel had made Fast and the Furious and Triple X. Yeah. So he was hot at the time. Was he? <laughs> and Pitch Black, I think, had all been made before that. Yeah. So he was in a good place. Mm. And then he rips this crap out. Yeah, I, like I said, I can't, I can't comment too much. I think I have seen the movie, but it's um, one of those ones that if I have, it was so boring that I just didn't bother to rem- remember the slightest details about it. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I remember Timothy Oliphant is in it. Oh, shit. But that's about it. He should know better. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, you know, sullying his good name down there, but that was pre-sort of, you know, Deadwood and things like that. Now, I found a, a, a review from something called Common Sense Media that said, pretentious, incompetent, dumb explosion movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would probably not go as far as to say incompetent, but it's not very, it's not, there's just nothing to it. And I think that if any film, especially in the action thriller genre, you are pushing shit uphill if you can't get any excitement out of it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, even if it's a bad script, surely you can craft a craft a couple of exciting, exciting sequences in there somewhere. And that's mm. when you can't. That's that is the cardinal sin of action movies is just to be causing your audience to sit there going, "Oh shit, is anything going to happen?" <laughs> <laughs> so, and, Cosmic Sin, I believe, might have put you in that <laughs> position Cosmic today. Sin. Cosmic Sin had me in a fucking coma. I wasn't even thinking at that point. <laughs> so, I tell you what, mate. How much were the tickets? Uh, it was a $16 effort today. Fuck, mate. If I paid $83 for Cosmic Sin, I was fucking pissed off about wrong turn. Imagine how I would have been uh, about Cosmic Sin. Well, mate, I, I might have you. I might have you covered just on a, just on a quick tangent. I, I made a I, I made the silly decision of telling the kids. I said I was going to take them to the movie, which wasn't which was all right. The mo- the, the tickets were forty five bucks for the family, so four tickets. But I made the decision of saying you guys can. It was a bit of a treat night for the kids. I said you guys can pick where we have dinner. They picked Hoyts. They wanted to eat in their seats. Uh, oh, hundred and fifty dollars was the end total of. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thankfully, the movie was good, but fucking hell, I was sitting there, I was, I was crying while I was handing over the cash for the fucking pizzas and chicken nuggets and stuff. Oh, yeah. Did you point when you handed the cash over? Did you say you gonna cook that? Yeah. I was <laughs> you gonna, actually gonna cook yeah, it? I was gonna say, yeah, put some fucking flavour on it. I was just, about that? As I was handing over the cash, I was just gonna say, just call Domino's, please. Just get me a Domino's. Yeah, pizza. yeah. that'll do it, mate. There's a fucking Macca's two hundred metres away. <laughs> just go and get me some nuggets from there. Yeah, do something. But yeah, I was I was just in tears when the when the bill came up. Yeah, but yeah, for four. That's it was for four, so it was kind of yeah in a similar ballpark to you. But I mean, I was feeding a fucking nine. Silver lining, though, Jared, you didn't get stung for parking. <laughs> that's right. I, I remembered <laughs> that you could get free parking. But yeah, I was feeding. <laughs> I was feeding a nine and seven year old, mate. Not, not all adults. Yeah. So I expected it to be somewhat reasonable, but I was wrong. Anyway, look, I, I'm sticking to. I, I've said this to about Diesel a couple of times, and I think. Again, it's evidenced by what you've just said about that movie. 
that's par for the course for Diesel and his best movies are the <laughs> ones, his best movies and his most, the ones people will watch more, barring the Fast and the Furious series, are the ones mm. where he's not on screen. Guardians of the Galaxy and the Iron Giant will be topping his list of movies that will get watched over and over again, and he's not even on, he's not mm. on the screen. So you, we class Diesel as like a, a, a big-time actor. voice actor. <laughs> well, we class him as a big-time actor, and I just think that's just a, it's just a false narrative. He stumbled into the Fast and the Furious series and, you know, got on the production side of that, so credit to the man there. He's, he's and I'm okay with the, the, the route that he takes with those movies, that people want to see him, so he makes fucking ten of the movies. I'm okay with that. But he's just not a, he's not a star to me. So what do you got for him? What's his worth? Well, I was going to jump into um, the follow-up single to to Feels Like I Do because he had one after that <laughs> called Days Are Gone or something that was an absolute turd. And obviously, me, me and you, it, it feels it feels like I do comes on at the club some at some point if we're ever in a club again at this point. I'm like, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll be out there. The odd I'm saying, give, me days are gone. give me a glow stick. Give yeah, me a whistle. Back to the bar. Yeah, it's um. I've gone with... To say it isn't so that his second single was a turd. <laughs> I've got a tangent, but fuck, I am dirty now because I'm really... I'm really pumped up with Blokes Tires. <laughs> you called it, though. You told him to wait the six months until the next single, and he didn't. He tried to jump straight in and just fucking... Just ruined yeah. it all. Vid, Vid, listen, mate. Listen. <laughs> you know I know what's going on here, mate. Yeah. You should But I'm disappointed. I'll I'm disappointed the days are gone's not up to it. You should Let's, be his um, fingers crossed for the third single. <laughs> yeah, that's right, that's right. Maybe maybe he'll go back to the roots with the third single and call it feel like you do or something like that and we'll we'll be back on board. <laughs> um But yeah, I had to go for triple X. I hate triple X. Triple X. Yeah. Um Rotten Tomatoes, forty eight percent. I mean, fuck, get off. Forty eight percent. Like, stop it. Jeez. Give us a spell. Like, I don't know how it ends up at forty eight percent. Letterbox, though, it ended up at a two point five. But yeah, that was just. Have you seen the Return of Xander Cage? No, I've <laughs> I've actively avoided it. But I'm sure you're going to put it on the list to watch, so I'm sure we'll get to it shortly. But oh, look, we have to. We started the series. We've got to finish it. I mean, Christ, I'm trembling about State of the Union. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Cage. That's right. I think I think the return of Xander Cage would be better though, because it pe- it appears like they've they've tried to whoever put it together has tried to look at what was getting people into action movies at the time. So obviously they got. They got a couple of people that were in martial arts movies. They got Donnie Yen, didn't they? And oh, I think yeah, I think so. Ruby Rose was in it. I'm not a fan of Ruby Rose as an actress, but I think they jumped on her at the similar time she was in John Wick too. So I think they were yeah. trying to take things that were more of the time. Whereas Triple X is just it's just the worst that the 2000s has to offer. Like they just decided <laughs> we'll take James Bond and and do this extreme athlete business with him, and it, it's just fucking, it's so bad. At least you know I can watch Triple X and get a bit of a laugh out of it, but yeah. God, I hate the the idea of the movie. It's just so stupid. And for an action movie, that's saying something. You give me Keanu Reeves 
hunting down a, a crew of bloody Russian mafia that killed his dog, and I'm fucking all in. But you give me this premise, and I'm just, it's so stupid. I hate it. Yeah. And, and I remember we discussed this at length, that how oh, I was so much cool, was so cool. Like the whole movie reeks of this kind of, oh, this premise is so cool. Yeah. Everyone's going to love it. You know, skating and. Well, and, it was like, you know, snowboarding and skating and, all and shit. Skating and snowboarding videos are popular. Extreme games is, is you know, um, starting to generate some buzz. Tony Hawk is the biggest video game around. Let's, let's make an action movie with all that shit. Like it was so transparent yeah. what they were going for, but I wasn't buying it. I mean, normally I'm the first bloke in, in line to purchase your shit sandwich, but this time I was like, no, that one smells. I'm not eating it. So that's yeah. that's where I ended up with Triple Give me another shit sandwich. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Give me a <laughs> I would prefer a fresher shit sandwich than this one, please. Sli- yeah, slightly fresher, or perhaps the shit's a little bit more solid because <laughs> I suggest Triple X is just fucking, it's just two pieces of bread just coated in diarrhoea. Yeah. Yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> it's a diarrhea sandwich. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. So that's that was it for me. And the quote that I found that I was right on board with was, okay, that's it, my summer of movies has been completely pissed on. That was the quote that <laughs> summed up Triple X for me. All right. Now, on to Van Damme, Jared. Mm. He's he's one of the the rarer ones on this list in my book who's who made some absolute... Garbage throughout mm. almost the peak of his career, yeah, and actually sort of found a little bit of a footing with more recently with a little bit of kind of I guess comedic stuff. As he got older, he sort of stepped into some other things, yeah, and I think some of it worked out really well. You're right; he has been a garbage man for most of his career, and sort of <laughs> you know occasionally he would get it, occasionally he would uh, he would um. Uh, get a, a job that would take him He'd off the garbage. He'd be allowed to work at the route. plant. Yeah. Not off- <laughs> He'd get off the garbage <laughs> off the back of the truck for a couple of weeks, but then he wouldn't. Um, he wouldn't be able to last. He wouldn't be able to hang in that in that particular role, and he'd be back on the garbage run. Um, <laughs> quick as you can look at you, but uh, he's he's uh, yeah, he's obviously a favourite of ours in some in some aspects for. You know, no matter what he was doing at that time, it was always you could bank on what you were getting. It would be a cheap little flick, but you know, Jean Claude would kick some heads. There'd be a little bit of gunplay, yeah. that sort of thing. So I guess Jean Claude sort of knew what his lane was because his acting wasn't great. His physicality was his thing. That even his most boring action films from that period still had plenty of heads getting kicked in. He wasn't stretching or trying to stretch like you, you, you still owns. No, that's right. And he Looking wasn't for different uh, projects, you know, like detox. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't trying to save groups of people like Steven Seagal was, and he wasn't crying over the the quality of scripts that he he himself had written and things like that. <laughs> he just knew he knew where his lane was, and I love him for that. What was his worst though, in your mind? Well. Again, I think it's going to be pretty obvious after our Mortal Kombat discussion uh, a couple of episodes ago, being a bit of a, a kid uh, of the, the arcades at, at that period of time, it's got to be Street Fighter. Yeah. has to be. Street Fighter. Street Fighter, Rotten Tomatoes, 10%. Letterboxd with a almost dazzling two uh, 
from Street Fighter. <laughs> but, yeah, to miss the mark so badly, I mean, you are marketing to a group of people who are turning up for a game that is round after round of fight. Yes. And you decide, we need to change characters. We need to have Van Damme in the movie, but then not fighting as much as he should be. Raul Julia was a, was a shining light in there, but the poor bugger was just about dead. But just to, just to miss the mark so badly with, with again, an established storyline, it was just in this time when any video game property that they made just just had to be rewritten. It had yeah. to be given it had to be given over to somebody who had no interest in the game and probably never played it and then rewritten to within a fucking inch of its its, its life until it was unrecognizable. I mean, I remember um I think my old man took me to see this at Center Cinema. That's how fucking desperate I was to see it that we went to Center yeah. Cinema where no bastard was going to Center Cinema unless you were trying to look for a bloody uh, a, a subtitled European f- film that you couldn't see anywhere else. Yeah. So we ducked into Santa Cinema and watched this, and even at that age, I was just like, "What's what is this?" I, I vividly recall the the doctor that turns out to be Dal Sim and doesn't look like Dal Sim until the fire fucking singes his hair off, and I was just sitting there going, "What? What? Like, why? Why did they do this?" <laughs> So, yeah. The most disappointing thing about that, Jared, is written by the bloke who wrote Die Hard, for Christ's sake. Yes, that's right. I mean, this bloke could, this bloke could write a script. Yeah, well, like, that's... An action script. That's it. And uh, I think it's it, it just reeks of, although it's a plain and simple storyline, why don't you take Street Fighter and turn it into, like, an Enter the Dragon-style setup with a little bit of the... Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be like that. Obviously, Street Fighter was a little bit different. It was different settings around the world. But, I mean, shit, the, the, what you came up with was almost the worst possible thing you could have come up with to, to, to get people just fighting each other in different locations. Like, that's all we were yeah. turning up for. So, yeah, talk about missing the mark. And the, uh, the quote that sums it up for me is, again, quite succinct, offensive and annoying. Ah. So that was it for me. Straight down the line. Yep. Yeah. Look, as I said before, written by the guy who wrote Die Hard, who I expected more from. It's a bit like when you watch Rollerball and you realise it's directed by John McTiernan. Yeah, that's right. What? That's it. Really? Yeah. Like, fuck. (laughs) What happened to him? What happened? Oh, God. I remember watching Rollerball in the cinema with you, I believe. (laughs) And yeah. it wasn't long before we were kind of sitting there going, yeah, this is this is going pear-shaped. And then we got to that motorcycle chase that was shot in, like, uh, night vision. In, um, uh, night vision. Yeah, and we were just kind of like, oh, fuck. Look, I think things were going pear-shaped when Chris Klein walked on the screen as the fucking hero. <laughs> <laughs> I remember thinking, oh, yeah, fucking Casanova's a hero now. Oh, man. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, never a good sign. No, at least he wasn't seeing those. Now, I'm going to go slightly off tangent here. I don't think he can go past 1997's double team. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, mean, surely that that premise has legs. I mean, twin Van Dams. No, 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 that's double impact. You got it wrong. Oh, shit, sorry, double I was team, double team, Dennis double Rodman. Team oh, that's right. It's a mixture of a coked up Van Dam, Dennis Rodman, and fucking Mickey Rourke as a yeah, yeah. 
don't tell me I mean, Dennis. What, uh, don't tell me Dennis Rodman wasn't coked up either. I mean, you you did watch <laughs> yeah. the last dance. We always knew yeah, that he true. had his issues, but then yeah. So, I mean, it is just an absolute shit show. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing it, and I agree with you. Initially, I thought double team. Is that the one where he plays twins? Yeah. <laughs> no. Double impact, although bad, we kind of got some enjoyment out of it yeah. when we ran it for the podcast. And I remember, you know, when, would... when I would hire double impact at the video store, I'd, I'd think to myself, good enough for Jackie Chan, good enough for Van Damme. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. But when you put Dennis Rodman... As like not noted non-actor Dennis Rodman, yep. next to v- Van Damme, who's never been the greatest thespian out there. Yep, you know that it's not going to go well. And then you've got fucking Mickey Rourke, whose face at that time was was in trouble. <laughs> oh, Jesus! <laughs> hadn't quite stooped to the level it's got to. Now. <laughs> no, no, I mean he's not on. He wasn't on the Masked Singer at that point. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? He's the only contestant on the mask singer that people wish he'd left his mask on. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. I think when he pulled his when he pulled the mask off and they were like, Well, underneath the fucking whatever the gremlins mask, we seem to have the fucking melting man or something. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, poor old bitch. Oh, this guy's got two masks on. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder who it is. Yeah. I think, I uh, think his, performance, ma- his performance also should have been, re- they should have relabeled that episode, the fucking masked cunt of a singer, I think. Mean, it, <laughs> it was absolutely awful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's the only, he had the double whammy, the only person they wish he didn't take his mask off, but also had his fucking throat ripped out. Yeah. Yeah. I wish he'd been fucking debarked. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, I, I played like 30 seconds of that clip and just went, oh, my God, what yeah. am I listening to? I thought. It hurt my ears, Jared. <laughs> I thought that your career could not sink lower than being accused of setting up a... A, a boxing fight where the other bloke took a fall for you when you're fucking 65 years old or whatever he was, <laughs> and then I saw his performance on the Masked mask Singer, and I thought, Mickey wishes that he was back in the halcyon days of setting up fucking sham boxing fights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, what though? If I remember correctly, when Mickey took his mask off, he looked pretty fucking chuffed with himself. <laughs> oh, that was pretty happy. <laughs> I know. I don't know what he heard through the earpiece. Well, obviously his ears aren't working. (laughs) Yeah, but he's just found out recently he's deaf. (laughs) I'm going to put that shit on the fucking Facebook page. Yeah, do it. Oh, sorry, I got off tangent. Um, <laughs> double team from uh, 97, $11 million in worldwide box office on a $30 million budget, a Rotten Tomatoes score of 11% and 2.3 on Letterboxd, which is surprisingly robust yeah. for a fair damn Rodman collaboration. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, 
<laughs> this this film for me, it basically tried to. It was one of those movies where they were trying to sort of overplot things. You know how yeah. the whole idea was that he was on something called some sort of island of guys who sort of looked into terrorist actions and things like that. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like the again, Simpsons episode I'm, with Mr. X and all that. Sort of yeah, stuff. I think. It was, it was, I mean, I hate, I, I, it's probably the only time I'll use overplotted in a Van Damme picture, but <laughs> it was yeah. dense, you know, and then in comes fucking Rodman with his stilted acting, and oh, I was just God. like, oh, man, where are we? The Dennis Rodman thing never really made sense fully to me, because the guy was, I mean, again, we were we were people that watched basketball and were familiar with basketball at this time, even being at a distance from the States and at a time when you had to, you know, pick up pro basketball today to, to read the basketball news rather than jumping on the internet. But his his personality was always this loud kind of actions, but the bloke never really spoke. And when he did, he was very kind of quiet and short and sharp with his answers. So when, he, when the Dennis Rodman actor thing took hold, I was like, why? Because remember yeah. the guy used to, you know, he never never really spoke to the media all that much and whatever. Then it was the dying of the hair and the, you know, the turning up in a wedding dress to marry himself and all that sort of stuff. But even all throughout that, whenever he spoke, it was just sort of short, kind of sharp, sort of, and I just thought, I think not an actor. he was a personality that they wanted to sort of harness. That's right. So what better way to harness it, Jared, than attach it to Jean-Claude Van Damme? <laughs> That's right. I mean, I understand it was cashing in and putting him in an action movie was the the, the thing to do because he was a, a big unit and he was, you know, he was an athlete. So that was a natural fit. But the guy never spoke. He never... When you talk about, you know, you start to think about him delivering lines and whatever. If you wanted, you wanted him in a movie. It was the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Game of Death style thing, right? But yeah. uh, they decided. Van Damme kicking his head in. That's right, and him not talking. But they decided, no, no, we'll put him front and center. <laughs> and that that yeah. went away very quickly. I believe it was this, and then mm. Simon Says, and that was about the end of it, wasn't it? I think he had a TV show, didn't he? Did he? Oh, I don't fuck. think so. Hang on, hang on, bear with me. I'll I'll just see if I can find it. I'm pretty sure he had a a, a TV show. Jesus Christ. I don't know why I'm sure of that, and I shouldn't be. So just bear with me for one second. He wasn't on The Masked Singer, was he? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think he was. Was he? No. Christ. I hope not. I mean, he would be better than, than Mickey, though. Yeah. See... Rodman doing WCW, that was the that was the, the smart choice because you could use him as a as a wrestler without a lot of talking. You already had a bit of heat because he was a he was an athlete, right? But when you start getting him in the movies and expecting him to act, that's not working out for me. Yeah, mate, he was. Soldier of Fortune Inc. Holy shit. Nineteen ninety eight to ninety nine. 17 episodes. Fuck. How did they deke out? They eke out 17 episodes of that. Who else was in there? God. Who was acting with him? Can't have been anyone that uh, valued their long-term prospects in Hollywood, surely. Melinda Clark was in it. Okay. Brad Johnson. 
It was actually went for 37 episodes, but then he was only in 17 of them. I think right. someone worked out after 17 episodes, fuck, <laughs> this guy's terrible. <laughs> yeah, we better draft another soldier to, uh, to take the... Take the yeah, 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 yeah. This guy doesn't look like a soldier's asshole. Let's get someone in who does. All right. The review I found says, exactly as bad as you'd imagine a Van Damme slash Rodman collaboration to be. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> On to our final person. And again, a man who's we've we've kicked pretty hard. Deservedly over so. The years. Deservedly. Deservedly so, yes, yes. The man has has he can't laugh at himself either. No. He's too he's too serious for my liking. But Steven Seagal. Yeah. Jared, what's the worst thing Steven Seagal's dished up to you? Well, I can't even recall the name of that one where he was a soldier that couldn't even be bothered to walk down the stairs for a for a <laughs> shot. Uh, that is a that is a uh, a contender honorable for mention? sure. That's an honourable mention, but to not even be able to walk down the stairs for for the directors and crew and whatever, you should be ashamed of yourself. And I've said that before, but the one for me, yeah. um, the one that stands out is Belly of the Beast. Adam, which was ah, one of his yes, sort of, we're on the same page. Yeah, it was one of his <laughs> early sort of uh, direct-to-video kind of what? Well, not really early ones. I think it was about two thousand and three. So it was sort of when he just become entrenched. I think this was the one where I finally looked at it and said, "Right, there's no coming back from here." <laughs> and even up to two thousand and three, for whatever reason, I still was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll watch a Steven Seagal movie." This was the one where I finally just. I was tipped over the edge. I think it happened in about the first 10 minutes of the movie where I would describe it as the infamous sequence, but, you know, many people that that have taste in movies probably wouldn't even know know about it. But the infamous (laughs) sequence where he is breaking into a house and does this sort of ninja slide across the floor... If you Google, if you YouTube, jump on YouTube and look Steven Seagal slide, I believe there's a clip of it on there, but him appearing to be sort of dragged across the floor <laughs> attempting this kind of <laughs> ninja slide is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life and yes. was precisely the moment where I, I I came around to this thinking that Steven Seagal is a fucking idiot. <laughs> so, so that's why a belly yeah, of the beast is... At the bottom of my list, there was no Rotten Tomato score for this one, but uh, Letterbox has it as a two point three. And uh, judging from some of the some of the other ones that we saw, that's that's low enough. So, well, there were three. I, I've given it a zero because there were three reviews and all of them were rotten. Mm. So I can only assume that's zero. Um, obviously, it didn't have enough to sort of cover the the general thing, but it made two hundred and fifty five thousand dollars <laughs> at the box office on an eight million dollar budget. And I do agree, <laughs> Belly of the Beast was the one where he started. He dipped into director video. He then started kind of working in Europe. You know, overseas. You know, Japan, Romania, all these places, and the the the. Plots of all of these films in a row around that time were all exactly the same. He was a fucking CIA, ex-CIA handler or some crap, and he was after someone and someone got kidnapped. It was just bullshit. Yeah. And Belly of the Beast was exactly like you. I remember just thinking, I will not be watching anything more from Steven Seagal. Yeah. <laughs> and I've held firm to that. Yeah, look, I have dodged a lot of his work. 
as I said, I have gone back on the odd occasion, but I haven't been happy with with generally any of it. I don't think I've enjoyed a, a cigar flick for, I would say, it's close to 20 years now. Yeah. The last one I vaguely enjoyed was Exit Wounds. Yeah, same. And even though even that wasn't great upon reading. No, that's right. It wasn't great, but it was better than the majority of his shit. Yeah, and it was it was under siege. As you said, it was heading in the right direction. But then of course whatever goodwill he, he sort of started to put together from that, he took and thought, I'm back in business here and just started running his shit into the ground again. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Belly of the Beast is, is definitely one of the worst exponents of that. The um, review that I found basically said from efilmcritic.com, it's not just that Seagal makes awful movies, it's that he makes the exact same awful movies over and over. Yeah. I, I saw I the... I think that's kind of where he got himself. I saw the same one, and that was that was pretty much... Uh, yeah, I was in, a, in agreement with that as well. Because that was the case with this, this stuff he was making. Yeah. And again, it kind of has a Bruce Willis vibe in that... He just wanted to make cheap movies that didn't tax his time that much but made him plenty of money. Yeah. And that seems to be what he's doing, and Bruce Willis seems to be doing the same thing. Yeah, well, and, uh, I mean, Bruce can still be bothered to walk on set for, for the majority of his shots. But Yeah, true. He is, Bruce has been sleepwalking, as we, as we mentioned, but Seagal's just... I mean, the guy just never had any shred of self-awareness and, and Belly of the Beast was the turning point for me, even though it was long before that that, it, that all of this stuff was clearly on display. This was this was the time where I was kind of getting old enough and, and wise enough to, to realise this guy's a, a bit of a fucking dill. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And... Um it was just one of those. It was yeah. It was that period there where I just went yeah. That's the end of that. That's that's the end of my association with Stephen Seagal. I brushed him, and that's it. We were going to include Denzel, weren't we, Jared? But correct. A quick look at Denzel's resume. There was just the only one I was angling for was Heart Condition, but I can't remember it very well. No, that's right. I haven't. I know it's incredibly racist as well. I yeah, believe, I haven't but- seen it. So, um, and I believe from it, it was the only one of his his films that was under. 20 on Rotten Tomatoes, and the the next mm. next one was John Q, which I didn't hate. So yeah, we had surely to, virtuosity's down there. Well, we had to disqualify the man because even even those ones had Rotten Tomato scores in the bloody 30s and 40s. So I mean, the guy yeah. the guy um, the guy earned a pass. He doesn't pick shit. No, that's, that's basically right. it. He seems to be very picky and choosy about his products, and, and he always delivers. He's good enough to elevate some of them. Yes. And when we talked about this at one point with The Equalizer, you know, yeah. that movie with an, a lesser actor is just a generic revenge film. That's right. Learn the, with him, learn the lesson, just, Willis. Like, if you turn up and you display your charisma, yeah. at, you know, you turn it up to 11... Cosmic Sun might be a one and a half instead of a half. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't Cosmic think too Sin, much sorry. is fixing Cosmic Sin, but no. But I mean, Willis should remember that. You know what? Some time ago, mate, you could act. Yeah, Willis should remember that you have presence when you get when you accept a contract. You agree to do a job, 
and that job is acting, <laughs> not just turn up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not just... It's not being a grumpy prick and not wanting to be there. <laughs> yeah, that's because right. anybody could do that, mate. And that's why Denzel's all... I mean, I can all... pay a guy scale to do that shit. Yeah, that's right. All of That's why Denzel, when you pay the money, you know, okay, well, even if, even if the movie doesn't turn out as well as we want, it's going to be above 30 on Rotten Tomatoes because the guy's so good. <laughs> yeah. But also, Denzel wouldn't stoop that low. No. I, I reckon. What what we'll see with Denzel is a little bit like what we saw with, say, Kevin Costner. He'll go into roles where father figure roles or mentor roles hmm. in supporting roles. And that's what Costner did, and it fucking worked to great effect. Yeah. I mean, he has had a new lease of life. <laughs> Somewhat. His career. Somewhat. When he stopped being a leading man and became a, a character part actor... He's 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 lengthened his career by ten or fifteen years. Yeah, for sure. Whereas guys like Willis, you know, they were stars, and like Arnie, and I mean, even Sly to some degree. He's been the most successful at it, but Willis and Arnie specifically, they they haven't done that. They've just gone to you know grabbing easy money parts. Yeah. With little 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 um, effort required, which is sad because they. Uh, they were both guys who could put bums on seats. Yeah, true. It's like an athlete, mate, adjusting to the role as you as you lose your uh, as you lose your touch. Yeah, you, you're no longer a great sort of say. Bar- using basketball as an analogy, you can't jump jump out of the out of the stadium. You can't run the floor like a gazelle, but you can do other things if you if you step back and know how to. To fill the holes. Yeah, you can still contribute. You can be very useful. Yep. Yeah. Correct. But these guys don't seem to be that keen on that. No. I mean, fuck. I was this close to... Uh, when I was looking at Artie's list, I thought, for sure, you'd be going for killing Gunther. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no, no. Fuck, yeah, that was a disaster. But <laughs> he wasn't in it long enough to, to uh, stick that all on him. At least Sly has learnt that. I mean, you look at Creed and, and Creed 2, that's, that's what it is, right? He's he's yeah. he's um, adjusted, but then uh, again, the ego got overinflated, and he's last blood. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sly's kind of self aware enough to know in some cases, but in other cases, you know, he he especially with the Rambo franchise, he's probably hasn't. I don't feel he's properly handled the Rambo franchise. No, as well as he handled Rocky. No, I don't think so. He handled Rocky really well, um, apart from Rocky Five. Yeah. So what I mean, we even need, Rocky Four, which I think is not good, but still, it was back then in that period of time, it was well received. Yeah. Rambo needs a protege. That's what we've learned. Yeah. Mini Rambo. <laughs> but um, I believe that uh, Michael B. Jordan's going to direct the third Creed, just to, on a bit of news. He is. Front. He is. So it'll be interesting to see whether um, Rocky returns. Yeah. For that. I don't think he had planned to, but who knows? You never know. He might he might do him a favour and, and jump back in. Yeah, might be an interesting. It'll be interesting to see the 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 series round out with a third film. Yeah. But that's it, Jared. That's our our worst of our favourites. Obviously, Flash Gordon is coming up. We'll get Maddie back on board for Flash Gordon not uh, in the next week. But until then, take it easy, and we'll catch up with everyone later. Cheers. Find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. 
Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.